Welcome to City on a Hill's podcast. This week's podcast can be downloaded on iTunes or our media library at chccny.com. Well, good morning. How we doing on this Palm Sunday? You sound like you're doing pretty well. Killing it in worship at the end. Is it all right if I actually change my whole sermon on Friday night in the middle of the night? Yeah, the kids aren't released yet. The kids are leaving. They're leaving now. Yeah. Is that all right if that happened? But now I know and understand why that happened. Now, if you know anything about me, the sermon I had, I thought was pretty good. I spent a lot of time on it, and I was excited about it. I went out Friday night, literally in the middle of the night. I just didn't feel comfortable, and I woke up Saturday, and I was in, just working most of the day trying to get it done and trying to be obedient. And you know what? I feel like I really heard God, and I feel like God has a word for us this morning um, uh, based off of where we are in, uh, in some stuff you just really, you can't make up. God really does have a sense of humor. And you see the title, hey, this is like a bootleg sermon, all right? This is like a sermon that's like underground, that was not part, I started the series last week. I was in First Samuel, if you weren't here, and I'm talking about we're, we're built to scale, and we were going somewhere, and I just kind of put that on the shelf. So this is a sermon, you don't, none of these graphics, the, 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 the team in the church, like I just did this one on my own, right? So this isn't as, the quality isn't as good in terms of what you see before you. I didn't say the content wasn't as good of the sermon. I'm just talking about the graphics, and you can see the, the, the title this morning is The Fog of War. And can we start this morning with a, a story about another Holy Week? Is that all right if we go back in time, if we take a little trip back? I want to take us back to the year is 1865. It is Palm Sunday. It is April 9th, to be exact, 1865. And what's interesting is there is something that is taking place in a place called Appomattox, Virginia. And to be exact, a place called the Appomattox Courthouse. You see the Civil War is ending on this day. And here's a picture you see it's Robert E. Lee and the Confederacy are throwing up the white flag and they are surrendering to Ulysses S. Grant and the Union Army. Amazing, right? That this would happen on Palm Sunday. This would happen on Holy Week. 620,000 people would lose their lives in the Civil War, a war that would rage on for four years. But now, on this day, the war is coming to a close and the nation will have to start to mend. The nation will have to start to heal. The nation will have to try to reconstruct and come back together again. The most prolific political cartoonist of that day was a, was a man by the name of Thomas Nast. This is a cartoon that he penned. I don't know, it's kind of light. I don't know how well you can see it, but he is drawing about the incredible coincidence. On one side, you see Robert E. Lee, the leader of the Confederacy, and he is walking into the Appomattox Courthouse and he's surrendering to Grant. And then on the other side, he has Jesus who is coming into Jerusalem for Palm Sunday, entering into the Holy Week. Pretty amazing, right? Now, here's what's interesting. How many of you have heard of the term that I'm using as the title of my sermon this morning? Have you ever heard that term before, fog of war? I know they made a documentary some, uh, I don't know, maybe in the early 2000s. It won Best Doc that year about Robert McNamara. That's not what I'm really talking about. But the fog of war is a term that is used in war for when people are dazed, 
People are confused. People are uncertain. People don't know what is happening. People are disoriented and they doubt and they have incredible questions. And here's what I want us to see. If you went to Appomattox in Virginia and you surveyed the battlefield, there are actually markers all over the place. But I want to bring your attention to the final marker that is there. And here is a picture of it. It's called Final Combat. And what's interesting about Final Combat is when you see there, you see this big sign that's there. And this is a picture of a Union soldier that is down on his one knee with his hand on the chest of a union, a uh, 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 superior officer that, uh, 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 what's, the, what's the term? Not a regular soldier, an officer. That's what I'm looking for. That is an officer that is on the ground. The man's name is Hiram Clark, right? We know his name, Hiram Clark. And this is what is so unfortunate about, there's an event that takes place at Appomattox. You see, Clark actually is the last casualty in the Civil War. He dies Technically, after Lee has put up the white flag and surrendered to the north, there was a cannon explosion, and this guy just happened to be hit. What did I, I mean, that, it's awful. The irony and the fate, what a terrible fate that this man had to live. The war is already over. But I want to say to us this morning, the fog of war was still there. Even though the war had technically ended, the hostilities were still present. And if you don't know, I'm already preaching. Because welcome to Palm Sunday 2,000 years ago. Because even though it looked like things, there was still a lot of hostility. And you look at the whole Passion Week. We think about what happened there and run through it. You go even from Thursday, go to the Last Supper, Passover and the Last Supper, and then you go into the Garden of Gethsemane, which is a picture right here, and you go into the Garden, and then you actually move on, the trial before the Sanhedrin, and then Jesus goes before Pilate, and then you have the crucifixion, and you have the crown of thorns that were pressed deep into his head, but not as deep as the nails were drilled into his arms and into his legs. You see, there is is the fog of war that is settling over the city of Jerusalem after what had happened on Friday. Can I bring you into Saturday? How come we just run past Friday and go right to Sunday? I told you God had a message for you this morning because I know in my bones we go from Good Friday, the, the worst, the most horrible event that has ever happened in the history of the world, the darkest day, and then we move to next week, Sunday, when you come in here with your best clothes on, with your suits and your dresses, and we rejoice, and we're so happy because that which is, was dead is now alive, and that is something to sing about, that is something to shout about, But what about Saturday? What about the in-between? What about that one day? Because we don't talk a lot about it. You see, the followers of Christ, on that Saturday, they were despondent, they were dejected, they were down and out, and they thought their life 
was over. Do you understand that Jesus is silent on Saturday? Just let that sink in for a second. The Son of God, who is part of the triune God, for a 24-hour, a little over that, is silent. On Friday, he was not silent. In the gagging, you know, dying words of a crucifixion victim, and he's on the cross... Father, forgive them, for they know not what they're going to do, what they do. The, the, the thief that is on the cross, right? Today, you're going to be with me in paradise. Jesus speaks on Friday, but on Saturday, Jesus is silent. And the Father, he spoke on Friday too. The veil is torn in the temple. It's torn in two. The sun is blocked and the earth shakes. God is silent though on Saturday. He speaks on Friday, but on Saturday there is hushed silence. Saturday is why do we call it holy Saturday? It should be silent Saturday. The time that we sit back, can I ask you, I'm giving you homework this week in the beginning. I'm asking that we actually spend time this Saturday and reflect back on this window of time, we, we don't just move from the cross to the empty tomb that we linger a little bit. Can you linger this year in Saturday? You know, when I, I laughed, there's nobody that defends Saturday. Everybody, right, you think about it, look at it. Every, we defend Friday, the crucifixion, right? Don't we defend Friday? Listen, he, he, Jesus Christ died on a cross for all sins. Once and for all, he died on that cross. And we defend that. And we defend the empty tomb on Sunday. I don't hear anybody defending that the Son of God was silent on Saturday, but he was. What is Saturday anyway? What does that stand for? Saturday is the prayer that gets prayed before it's answered. Saturday is the in-between, the struggle and the solution. Saturday is the in-between. Saturday is in-between despair and joy in the middle of life and death. That is Saturday. In-between confusion and amazing clarity when you actually say, wow, I see now. No, no, no. Don't move from the confusion to the clarity. Linger in the middle. We look back and we know the story, but can we look at it from the perspective of people that actually had to live through Saturday? When you don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. And I feel like Saturday is the day maybe that your dream died. Anybody have a dream that's, de- that, that's dead right now? You have a dream that's dead? Give me your church face. That's all right. I still love you. It's after the divorce. It's after the diagnosis. What you never thought would happen. I never thought this would happen in my life. How could this happen to me? It's Saturday for you. It's Saturday. It's when you wake up and you don't know how you're going to make it through that day. Friday's over and you're stuck in Saturday. God, how am I supposed to get through this day? We've been, have we spent a lot of time in Saturday in our lives this year? 
I know what it's like to live in Saturday. Your preacher, your pastor knows what it's like to live in Saturday. And we've shared some of that. Why do you think we have a special needs ministry night? I know what it's like to bawl my eyes out on my wife's shoulders and wake up the next day and go, what am I supposed to do next with this? I never thought this was going to happen. I don't want Saturday. I want to go to Sunday. Saturday torments us. How many of you get tormented by Saturday? God, are you angry? Did I disappoint you? God, why did you leave Jesus in the tomb for so long? Did you ever sit there and wonder that? Why couldn't he just have resurrected him later on on Friday night? Why does there even have to be a Saturday? Why? It's the questions I ask. Because I have no life and I just sit around and I think about these things. But why, seriously, why is there even a Saturday? God, there didn't have to be a Saturday. You could have just moved. What? Look, at all, look at the disciples. Look at them. Why would you leave people in dire straits? Why would you leave them so upset? Their hopes and dreams are dashed. And Saturday, the silence can torment us. And we have to wait. Does anybody enjoy waiting? Does anybody like waiting for things that you want? John, you don't like waiting for things, do you? You hate waiting. That's why I came over to you. I felt it. The spirit of hatred for that was all over you, John. Can I tell you, you know what I call it? I call it the, this is just my own way of looking at it as I'm, I'm trying to come up with this. I think it's like the ABCs of waiting. Can I explain the ABCs of waiting? You got a few minutes. Can I explain this to you? Deb, you know how I look at this? How I look at it. I don't mind A. A is the beginning of something. A is, I have a new diet program that I want to start tomorrow, a new workout program. And you're excited about it, right? It's the start of something new. You haven't done it yet. He can stay in Aries. He can learn the family business. He can stay in here. So you look at it. A is the... I'm just talking to my boy right now. It's okay. So A is the beginning. And I don't mind A. Is anybody with me? You don't mind A. You don't mind the beginning. And I'll tell you what, I don't mind Z either. Because Z is the fulfillment of something. It's the end. You do the, uh, what's that, X90, whatever that workout program is. What is that called? PX90. You don't mind day 90 because you know you're done. But I'll tell you what I don't like. I don't like LMNLP. <laughs> I don't like LMNOP. It's purgatory, Eileen. Purgatory, and you're stuck in the middle. My cousin, Keith, I didn't know you were going to be here today. My, my cousin, how many, you, you had a flight list. How many of you enjoy being at airports and you have to wait? You like that? Joy, no, everybody's like, no way, dude. Really? It was a rhetorical question. I knew what your answer was going to be, but I'm laughing because my cousin, does, he does, he's in the business world. How many, you're connecting flight. What was that like last night to get home? Okay. But you've had worse than that before. He's had a lot of... How many of you have had connecting flights before? You know what I'm talking about? And you know there are hubs, right? Like Southwest, the cattle car, and moo, let's go. Hey, moo, one through, moo, 60, right? And they get you moving. I had to go out west a couple of years ago, right? And they sent me to their hub in Baltimore, right? There's no other flights. I don't want to go to Baltimore. That's south. I want to go west. 
You know what I'm talking about? Right? And then sometimes, let's just call it like it is. Don't you feel sometimes that God has his own hub and he sends us places that we don't want to go and he says, you got to go south first before you can go west? You got to suffer a little bit before I can take you to resurrection. I wasn't going to share that, but I did. And it's even, can I take it a step further? It's even like, you ever get in a holding pattern? Do you ever like fly somewhere and you can't get there? And you can't get there? I remember one time I saw this stinking airport. Just drop this plane down. Drop this baby down because we can see it. But when, when you're in a holding pattern, it's because something on the ground isn't ready and they need to prepare something for you to land. And God says, I'm preparing for you what I've already prepared for you. <laughs> preparing us. But none of us like to wait, man. I don't like to wait. Do you know there's so little written about Saturday in the Bible? Do you know that? Did you know that? Can I show you a little bit about what's written in the Bible? There's not much. Here it is. Ready? You go to Matthew 27, 62 to 66. After sundown, the high priests and the Pharisees arrange a meeting with Pilate. And I don't know why that got cut off, but I'm just going to jump down to the bottom. But I just want you to see Pilate puts guards there. You will have a guard. Go ahead and secure it the best you can. So they went out and secured the tomb, sealing the stone and posting the guards. That's basically all we have. There's not much about Saturday. I'm talking about in the Gospels. There's not much there. Can I just blow your mind a little bit and tell you this? Some people, I, I don't know if you believe this. I know it says it in the Apostles' Creed, which was written in 390 AD. Jesus didn't go to hell in this one day, by the way. How many, and I bet a lot of you probably thought that. There is no scriptural evidence for that. I don't want to get too off on that. Jesus did not go to hell on that one day. That was added in the Apostles' Creed. Any scholar worth their salt today will tell you it's, it's a big leap of faith to say Jesus went there. Anyway, I'm going to put you to sleep if I get off on that. I see your faces. You're like, that's cool, preacher man, but that's not what I want to hear. Back to Saturday. How about John Calvin, what he said about Silent Saturday? Ready for this? Let's look at it together. What happened today on earth on Saturday? There is a great silence, a great silence and stillness, a great silence because the king sleeps. Oh my gosh, I love that line. God has died in the flesh. Hell trembles with fear. He has gone to search for our first parent as for a lost sheep. That's powerful. Let that sink in. Saturday. And I want to tell us this morning, God's silent, silence is not equivalent to God's absence. No, no, no. You I'll say it over here. Let me see what kind of reaction I get over here. God's silence is not equivalent to his absence. It is not equivalent to that. And I think a lot of times when we don't feel him and we don't hear him, we think he's absent, but that's not true. That's a lie from the pit of hell. And how, do we be, how can we be patient, y'all, with a God who works off his own calendar. We have to synchronize. You know with your phones, we can synchronize. My wife and I synchronize our calendars. How many of you do that? Some of you are like, I didn't even know you can do that. You can synchronize your calendar, but we need to synchronize our faith with God's calendar this year. Synchronize it. Because we want him 
to work off of our calendar, don't we? You know what we you know what kind of king we want Jesus to be? We want Jesus to be Burger King. Because we want it the way we want it. You know Burger King. Come on, y'all. Trying to keep it relevant. You know what? Destiny is not a drive-through that you go to and you put an order in and three minutes later it's ready. That's not destiny. It takes time. But we don't want to take time. We live in the instant gratification, FedExing, microwaving society. We don't want to wait. Who wants to wait? But God says, no, no, no. Some things are going to take time. And can we just for, a, just for a little bit, can we look at it from the disciples' perspective? Can we do that? Can we do that? Because look at how these, these guys are, they're bleary-eyed and I think they're exhausted. You go all the way back to Thursday. You go back to the Passover meal and then you walk through the garden and you walk through the trial before the Sanhedrin. These were human beings. By the time Jesus is crucified on Friday night, I put before you, they are utterly exhausted. Have you ever been spent before when you had nothing left in the tank? And you didn't know if you were going to make it. Have you ever been spent before? These guys are spent. And what do they do the next day? What do we do as a people when somebody passes? We sit down and we tell stories about what they did. And we remember them. I see the disciples kind of sitting around. And I see them telling stories. And I see them laughing. Not just crying. Listen, I see them laughing at a lot of the jokes and pranks that Jesus played. I see that. Oh, wait, you want religious Jesus? Wait, hold on. I'll put the real Jesus away. You want me to take religious Jesus out? Peter, your face was priceless when you're walking on the water and you started to sink and we saw Christ. He was laughing. Remember the time Jesus did that to you, John? Hey, remember the time he fed the 5,000? Yeah, remember the time he walked on water? Remember the time that he raised Lazarus to life? Remember the time that he raised the widow's son? Remember that time? John tells us, if we, he recorded all the miracles that Jesus did, all the books in the world would not contain it. He was a locomotive when he walked around on the face of the earth and he was performing miracles and he was changing people's lives. And they remember on Saturday, they remember what Jesus did and how he changed their lives. All the great things that he did. But I think also, we're a real church, right? Are we a real church, Christian? We keep it real. I also think there was something inside their hearts where they said, you know what? It was a real noble effort, but he failed. He failed. Have you ever, you have the guts to, to say, maybe not say it out loud this morning, but to say it in your heart that there have been times in your Christian walk, maybe you're new to this thing, where you feel like Jesus failed you? Well, if you feel that way, join the club because there are a lot of people that are standing behind you, raising their hand, and people that are in the Bible, the most influential people that we see in Scripture, in the Gospels, would say, I know what it's like to feel like the Savior failed me. I know what it's like. To feel like he let me down and everything is silent and I don't know what's going to happen. And then I think about them looking at their own failures. Don't you think they looked at their own failures? Now we know in Matthew 27, we know about Judas. Judas hangs himself, right? Judas is contrite. 
Judas can't believe in Matthew 27. He takes the money, wants to give it back to the Jewish leaders. I don't want this. And this comes after the event in the garden when he came into the garden. And what did a disciple do to the rabbi? They gave them a kiss. It was a sign of respect. But here is Judas. He comes in the garden and he gives them the kiss of death. Did you know that's where that term is from? That's where it's from. Or how about, hey, you got time next week. You want to come for Easter? Listen, I'm telling you, I'm going to do something kind of cool next week. I don't give you those traditional messages. I'm not just giving you the simple Easter story next week. But we're going to look at Peter next week. You coming to the last breakfast next week? You coming to the last breakfast? It is Easter. If you're not going to come on Easter and surface and come then, when are you going to come, right? But you're here. I'm talking to you, so I'm glad you're here. You come next week on Easter, and you hear about the last breakfast, because I really feel like God's downloading some stuff, and I can't wait to kind of prepare, finish preparing that meal and, and send it out to you. And here it is, though. I love this. Here is Peter. This is after the third time. You, are you all right? Anybody, you want me to close up? Or are you good? You still got a few minutes? You're good. Okay. So in Luke 22, it says, but Peter said, man, I do not know what you are saying. This is the third time he's accused. What did Jesus say? Before the rooster crows, Peter, you're going to deny me three times. So here it is, the third time. And this, I can't get away from this. The last couple of weeks, immediately while he was still speaking, the rooster crowed, and the Lord turned and looked at Peter. Did you ever just focus on that? I can't move away from that. I'm sitting on that for weeks now. They locked eyes. Jesus, looking at one of his pupils. You failed, Peter. You didn't make it. And the pupil looking at the teacher, and he's ashamed, and he feels guilt because the enemy's doing a real good job of firing away. But here it is. There's Peter, and I don't know if you can see at the top. I love this artist's rendering of that event because you can see Jesus, and he's looking down at this one Peter. Talk a little bit about failure next week. Talk a little bit about failure next week. Not what you think you're going to hear about Peter, but we have to get into that. But something happens on Saturday. How many of you know I love C.S. Lewis? Do you guys, have, I've said that before in the past. I don't know if you knew that. So C.S. Lewis, in his personal memoir, he's 57 years old and he writes a book. It's called surprised by joy. Some of you have, have read this. My mom introduced this to me, I don't know, many years ago. And uh, him, himself, anyway. And this book he wrote when he was 57, it's called Surprised by Joy. Do you know why that's so interesting? Because he literally, he was, a, he was a bachelor, he literally got married in his 50s. Isn't that crazy? So here is this guy, and he writes this book, Surprised by Joy. Take a guess what the name of the woman is that he meets and gets married to. Joy! He wrote this book before he met Joy, so his friends would always kid around with him and say, you literally were surprised by Joy, right? Kind of cool. And he writes this book about how he came to faith in Jesus Christ. And it wasn't like this, because that's what we think a lot of times. It was this, it was this. It was other people speaking into his life. And eventually he becomes a Christian. But here's the really sad part, friends. A couple of years later, his wife died. I mean, a horrible death. She was stricken with cancer. It, it, it was awful. And he had such a hard time, right? And then he wrote another book after that. And it's called A Grief Observed. Can I read you a little clip from that? Can I read you an excerpt? And here's what he said. I'm going to read you the first part. 
when you are happy, so happy you have no sense of needing God, so happy you are tempted to feel his claims upon you as an interruption, if you remember yourself and turn to him with gratitude and praise, it feels like he welcomes you with open arms. How many of us know that? Right? Everything's good. He welcomes us with open arms. But here's the part. There's a picture of actually him and his wife. There aren't many that you can find. All right, but here it is. But go to him when your need is desperate, when all other help is vain, and what do you find? A door slammed in your face and a sound of bolting and double bolting on the inside after that silence. You may as well turn away. The longer you wait, the more emphatic the silence will become. There are no lights in the windows. It might be an empty house. Was it ever inhabited? It seems so once. And that seeming was as strong as this. What can this mean? Why is he so present a commander in our time of prosperity and so very absent a help in time of trouble? I'm giving you reality. This is a raw message today. It's as real as we can get when we come to the Passion Week. That's why God changed my heart. I feel like I was saying, no, I want to stay right here. Stay on the Passion Week. Stay on what happened. Tell my people what happened 2,000 years ago. And I want to say there are a couple of options now if you're in Saturday. What are the options that we have? Well, the first option that I see is we can choose despair. Despair. It's always going to be Friday. Oh, man, it's, we're always going to live in Saturday. It's never going to be Sunday. We can live with that mentality that we're always going to be in despair and that death is the end and this is it and God doesn't care about me. God doesn't know me. God doesn't want to know me and the world, I don't really know what I believe anymore because things don't work out the way I want and I prayed to him one time and I went to church a couple of times and I even threw some money in the basket and life didn't work out the way I wanted to and now I'm in despair. That's one way to look at life when we're in Saturday. How about denial too? Anybody ever live in denial? Denial, right? What about some of the Christian cliches that we just kind of throw around? Woo, I'm just, I'm, you're going through something, but hey man, you're just more than a conqueror, man. This too shall pass. Don't worry about it. God's got you. And we say all these, these pithy sayings that we have and we think we make, make people feel really good or this false sense of triumphalism, whatever it may be, we absolutely deny it. What if there's another option? What if there's a better option for us? I could give us a list. I'm just going quick through this. But what if God says on Saturday, we can actually wait with him? What if he is not as far away as we think? What if we can actually ask him questions? What if we actually can complain to him when we're in the middle of Saturday and we can pour out our heart and we can pour out our feelings and really tell him what's going on inside of us and we don't have to hide behind all the Christian cliches, the Christianese that is so prevalent in the world today. We can be real with our God. What about that? You know, I think it's, maybe it's a secret, I don't know, but I think at the end of the day, when we're in Saturday and we're in disappointment and we're in failure, we can touch God on Saturday unlike any other day. You want to know why? Because we realize at some point he's our only hope. We realize at the end of the day, he's all we have, that everything else can be stripped away from us. And David talks about it, and other Christians have talked about it through the centuries, but everything else, all the scaffolding of life, the way A. W. Tozer says it, can be taken away 
But as long as we have Him in the midst of Saturday, in the midst of uncertainty, in the midst of doubt, in the midst of confusion, as long as we have Him. And I think, I know from a human standpoint, we look at the great miracle as Sunday. But what if it's actually Saturday? What if? What about the angels when they were singing, when the baby is going to be born in Bethlehem? Glory to God in the highest. Emmanuel, God with us and the angels are exalting. But what if the great miracle is the angels are staring down on this day and they can't believe that the Son of God, who has been at the right hand of the Father since the beginning of time, sleeps in a tomb? What if this is the greatest day? Friday, Saturday, Sunday. They're all great in their own right. I'm just saying we haven't spent enough time. We haven't given enough love to Saturday. And that's what I'm hoping this year. That's what I'm hoping that we do. And what I love too, he defeats the great enemy death, not by overpowering it, but by submitting to it. Did you get that? Jesus Christ defeated death, not by pulling out a sword, but by submitting himself to it. And he said, Satan, here's the bait. Take the bait right now. Come on, take it. You want to kill me? You want to wipe me out? You've been waiting ever since I was excommunicated in heaven? You want a piece of me? Come and get me. And he takes the... Mike, don't you let anybody that's passive in this place stop you. I keep telling you, bro. And he takes the bait. And he thinks he won. Don't you love how Jesus turns this whole world upside down and it doesn't look the way we think it's supposed to look? Saturday doesn't look the way we, th we think it's supposed to look. And there is a miracle that takes place. Music team, why don't you come up? I need somebody on that keyboard. Because I was going to share this next week, this story on Easter, but I'm sharing it this week because that's what I felt like God said. Mike, I got so much. Don't you worry about it. <laughs> the year is 1815. 1815. And you have the Napoleonic Wars. They're raging in Europe, right? And it's the, the, they've started in 1802. And it's the French going up against the English. It's Napoleon on one side. And then on the English side, the leader is the Duke of Wellington. Well, many people believe... After we've had, they've had all these battles and it's been raging. They feel like in the spring of 1815, there's finally going to be a decisive victory, family. Finally. They think there's going to be this decisive victory. And the fighting takes place and it's heavy. It's heavy. And you know, sabers are slashing and drums are going and cannons are being fired. And you don't know on this day in the spring, it looks like a 50-50 proposition. Will the French win? Will the English win? Nobody knows what's going to happen. But here's what's amazing. Wellington, the Duke of Wellington, sends a message back to England. You know what they did? This is wild. The, te the telegraph's not invented yet, right? The iPhone's not invented yet. So they had to send a message back using boats. So you had one boat in the English Channel, right? And then you had another boat. And they would pass this signal on, and it would go down. 
Napoleon is thinking, if I can push this battle, it's the Battle of Waterloo. You've probably heard of that before. It's the Battle of Waterloo. And Napoleon wants to push the 65,000 English troops across the channel. And England has said, Duke of Wellington, you do everything in your power. You have all support of England behind you. You need to win this. And the Duke sends a signal from one boat to the next boat. But in the middle of the message being sent, a great fog hovers over the English Channel. Where is this fog from? And as the message is being passed on, this is what people eventually get. Wait a second, there it is. Wellington defeated. That was the message that was sent all the way home. And in England, people are distraught. Church bells are ringing. People are crying. They can't believe that we, the the, the British, have lost to Napoleon and the war is going to be over. And they're so upset. And that's it. The, The fat lady has sung. It's all over. It's not until later on in the day when the fog dissipated and the message was retransmitted. And this is what the message really said. Wellington defeated Napoleon at Waterloo. The whole war and complexion, the people that were upset and they were living in Saturday. I came to tell you this morning, you may feel like you're in Saturday, but Sunday's coming. Get up. If you believe that, why don't you stand up? Because it came to Good Friday. And it looked like the message was Jesus is defeated. But that was only half the message that the world needed to hear. Because on that Sunday morning, you mind if I step into Easter right now? The message was Jesus defeated death on Easter. Listen, listen, family. You're not, if you feel like you're in Saturday today, you're not going to be there forever. I don't know how long you're going to be. I don't have God's calendar. I can't tell you how long it's going to be. I just know he's going to be with you in the midst of that. But you are going to come out. I was praying for you. I can't believe you're in church this morning. God put, he's bringing people back. This is crazy. I'm praying for you at 7 in the morning in my prayer chapel. Why is Chris Polito on my heart? And God said to me, I'm not lying to y'all, just so you think I, got, I hear from God and you don't. I, as God is my witness, he said, Chris Polito's coming to church today. And I went, I haven't seen Chris Polito in forever. Maybe you saw me. I ran over there today to see him. And God told me, he gave me a message for you, bro. He said, you're coming out. He said, your Saturday's over. Your Saturday's over. I don't care what he's done. I don't care what he said to you. You're coming out. You're coming out. We're coming out. We're coming out, saints. We're coming out, saints. Give him some praise this morning. Give him some praise this morning. Give him some praise this morning. Sunday's coming. Sunday's coming. Easter's coming, devil. You lost. He had a party. He was 
He was opening up bottles of Dom and he thought it was over. But I got a message from the devil. Jesus was alive and came back three days later. Death, hell, and the grave. He's got the keys. Yo, Jesus has the keys and he puts them in his back pocket. And now you know what that means, y'all? Whatever problem you walked in here with today, hey, where's my boy Bill? Where's my boy Bill? Get over here. Come say hi to me, man. Get over here. Come say hi to me. I didn't even know where you were. I didn't want to find you. Dude, you're back. Welcome home, man. Welcome home. Bro, I knew this day was coming. I knew this day was coming. He's got a plan for you, and the enemy has tried to take you out. The enemy has told you lies. You have a calling, brother. You have a calling. I want you to stay by my side and us, and we're going to help mentor you. We're going to help see you through. Jump on my back and go over. That's what my role is. Jump on my back and get over. Go, church. This is what the church is. This is what the church is. Forget the program. Forget the script. Throw it out. Throw it out. Throw it out. Give us the real thing, Lord. Give us the real thing, Father. Father, I want you to move on us, Lord. Father, move on your people. Lord, we repent of our waywardness. Father, we repent how far we've fallen away. We repent, Lord, that we've judged situations and circumstances. We haven't given you the benefit of the doubt, Lord. Father, forgive us. You know, I just feel in my spirit, you know, the word says that God doesn't slumber nor sleeps. And I feel like there are people here today that need to hear the sound of my voice. Listen, get one more minute. I promise I'm done. Listen, God is a night owl. He stays up all night and God is an early bird. And if God's up all night and God's up in the morning, that means I don't need to stay up and I can take a nap and know that he's got my problems. Somebody in here, you got problems and you're carrying that around. God says, I don't slumber. I don't sleep. I don't take a wink because I'm always looking out for my children. What do you have for us? Who you say? Who do the people say that he is, Steve? He is the great I was? No. Is he the great I will be? Then what is he? He's the great I am. Let's sing to him right now. Let's sing to him right now. Let's sing to him right now. Let's shake the foundation in this place. Let's shake the foundation in this place. Thanks for listening to City on a Hill's podcast. For more resources, visit us at chccny.com.